morning, everyone. Hopefully we can get through these next couple of verses. I hope, I hope. <laughs> Seems like when you get started on something, and the Lord keeps saying, here, keep looking. <laughs> Nobody's ever had that problem, have they? <laughs> oh, so let's, uh, let's turn to First uh, Thessalonians 5, and we're looking at uh, verses 20 and 21 today. This is uh, verse 20. Despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for your blessings. Father, we do uh, thank you for this beautiful day that we have. Father, as we look into this next week, we'll have uh, less rain and more sunshine. I pray, Father, that it will just encourage us uh, to get out and about and Father, just to, uh, to thank you for all the blessings that you've given us through the rain, through snow, through, through the weather that we have. We know the land needs it. And Father, we know that you have control of all things. We do pray for this lesson this morning. Pray that you would just use it uh, in our lives so that we would understand a little bit more of uh, what the uh, church at Thessalonica was going through and how we can apply it to our lives today, realizing that, Father, you have control. It's all done to glorify you. And we do pray all this and ask it in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, as uh, last week we talked about uh, quenching and grieving the spirit. uh, It it seems that uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is continuing to address potential problems that some believers have. And uh, we talked about, uh, Brother Chris presented uh, the, the rapture. And talking about how some people were afraid that those family members that knew Christ died and were going to miss out on that glory. And along with that, we had folks that, uh, we'll talk more about them uh, in Second Thessalonians, but we've alluded to, that there are some there that were you know, non-workers. They, uh, they gave up their, their uh, well, they just quit working and decided that they would uh, live off the goodness of, of other believers, and which the, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul was addressing, and, and how some of this, the, the folks in this new church were, um, well, they were young in the Lord, and yet when uh, they were chosen or stepped into the leadership position, some people maybe were jealous of them thinking that, well, I know just as much as they do. And now we have folks uh, talked about, about quenching the spirit that might have had gifts that they were hiding. They weren't willing to share. Some people oftentimes get that way. They get saved, and that's all the more they do. They don't go any further. But yet here, we have folks that it seems to be there there might be a little infighting or just uh, some jealousy being uh, presented why we don't fully know I just Paul lays it out and we we kind of look at some of the other churches that might have had similar and we're going to look back at uh, the church at uh, Corinth a little bit because here this next one in verse 20 it says despise not prophesying and many of these teachers here they were being faced with people that challenged them on their word well in some ways that might be good but you know, to, to question it because in, in verse 21 it talks about prove all things. Ask those questions. Don't take things at face value. But 
they were facing people that just despised what they were teaching. They were angry, maybe, at that point. They, <clears throat> they were, um, uh, didn't like the teachings that were there because it might have pointed out that, hey, some of you folks need to be getting a job. You're lazy, and you're meddling in other people's affairs, and you should be just focusing on what God would have you to be doing to be working, to be useful in the community. Oh, some of you might be good teachers. And just, you know, things like that. Some of them were despising it. They didn't like that. And, and uh, also, because this was a, a first century church, a new church, many of the gifts that the Apostle Paul pointed out in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, were apparent. There were some that were, that were healers. There were some people that could speak in tongues and interpret. There were those that were able to prophesy. When they teach, they can talk about teaching and preaching, which I think this is, is directed to here. But there were others, like the Apostle Paul was pointing out, about future events. And they were talking about that because, well, most of the New Testament wasn't written then. They were all the letters and stuff. And a lot of these gifts were ceased when the, uh, the New Testament was written, many of them uh, no longer existed. Um, or, like Pastor pointed out, if they do exist, we've not witnessed them. I mean, God's a God of miracles. He can have people do a variety of things and use them in a variety of ways. We just haven't witnessed them. And, and like it says, don't despise some of these people for that. But, again, prove all things compared to Scripture. And we know that many of those gifts were transferred by the, the uh, apostles by laying on of hands. And just some people just have that natural ability, and God uses those gifts in a, in a, in a, in a mighty way. So here you have some folks that did not like what they were being told. Uh, we know that... Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all good things. And so when the apostle and when the teachers were speaking, they had the New Old Testament to go back to in reference, and those scriptures were, were at that time the inspired word and they were realizing that they were the perfect documents they needed to to compare and and, and to use them but yet here we have uh, folks that didn't trust that teaching didn't trust what that person was saying even though it may be correct maybe because they didn't like it maybe it was uh, they were stepping on their toes I, I really don't know but the whole of it is, is the scripture like verse 17 says, makes the man of God maybe perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works, so that that word that we learn and, and, and are preached to us, oftentimes we may not like how it's applied to us. We need to realize that it's important for us to, to look and say, hmm, maybe that does apply to me. How do I need to do this? Lord, please give me wisdom in this area. And not going, I'm not listening to that guy anymore. I'm not going to have nothing to do with him. Or, like some people like to do, they have preacher soup. They go up there and they just 
rail on the guy with anybody else that will listen to him, which is, well, we know it's sin. But 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These speakers were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were given these gifts. It's like not every one of these people in this brand new church, preachers were, they didn't get to go off to college and get their degree and go to seminary and pick up all this stuff. No, they were three weeks new in this church and the Apostle Paul was probably going, you know, you got a pretty good voice there. And, and you got a pretty good application what, what's being taught. You know, it seemed to apply. Would you like to be one of the preachers? I'm, I'm sure some of them are probably like, uh, do I really want to do this? After seeing what was going on around them, there were some people that probably said, ah, I think I'll wait on that. Or others would go, I love the Lord. I want to teach. I'll, I'll do what the Lord asked me to do. And, and that's the kind of Christian that God looks for, somebody that's willing Maybe they're not real good at it, but it's amazing how well the Lord can hone you when you go through that and how he moves through things. I, I, I look at some people that I met early in their careers preaching and then saw them later in their careers. It's amazing. There, there's a transition. There's a, well, a mellowing in some instances and in other instances. They know how to apply that in such a way that we'll get it across. And, and it's wonderful to see that transition. And, and I'm sure each one of us know people that are like that, or maybe have had people say, you know, you're a little different than you were when you were first saved, or when I first met you, it's been a few years. You haven't changed your, your stand, but your presentation is a little different. And it, it's more applied such that I'm going to listen a little more carefully because sometimes people, when they're young, it's like, oh boy, he's going to tell me everything that is wrong here and I know better than that. That's what some people are saying. Why should I listen to that person? Then as they go along, find out, well, you know, God's using that guy. He's using him. I'm going to listen to him a little bit closer. But some of these people weren't. They were despising that. They were like, I am not going to listen to that. And so, you know, it's, the Apostle Paul pointed out several times that he would rather have people, you know, uh, speak or rather they look at prophesying over the other gifts. But the, a lot of people wanted those other gifts because they were pretty showy in some ways, you know. I mean, compare laying on of hands and miracles to somebody that can preach. <laughs> You're going to probably want to, wow, that guy's got something going there. But if they would listen to the man preaching, they would say, what's he teaching me? What do I need to get from that? Or somebody that, when they were talking about people speaking in tongues, you know, if the whole group's speaking in tongues, babbling away, and somebody comes in, what do they think? They're a bunch of crazy people. He would rather have, you know, that interpreter stand up and, and do it in an orderly fashion. But he kept going back. He said, I would rather people prophesy hold that up but a lot of these people didn't look at that they thought that man, preaching that that or teaching and, and prophesying that's lowly you know it's it's not as good as speaking in tongues doesn't show you know 
I got something better than that guy. Anybody can teach. That's how some of them think about it. But, you know, the, 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 these were all gifts of the Spirit that were given down. Um, in First uh, Corinthians, where they talk about them, they were, they were, like we say, many of them were temporary. They talked about prophesying in, in, in a way the, of speaking the future was somewhat temporary. And it's like today, do we have a lot of people speaking in those kind of terms? Well, we have some that are telling us, yeah, we, you know, I've been studying the scriptures and I know just when God is, or Christ is coming back. I've got it down to this day. <laughs> that day comes and goes. Who was the most recent one? Uh, was it Campy? Her yeah, Harold Campy. He's gone on, you know. I've listened to a lot of his preaching. It was hard to get over that gravelly voice that he had. But you know, he had some good things to say. But when he got up there and started talking about this is the date that I know because I studied this and I have a degree in this and I can understand that and I applied this way and on and on and on and on. It's going to be this date. And, of course, everybody asked him, well, now that that date's come and gone, what are you going to do about it? Or what were the other one, the Campbellites? Or uh, I think they were... Uh, back in the 1800s where they they knew that God was going to come or Christ was going to come at a specific time people sold all their stuff and they all got to gather together and they waited the date came and gone go, oh you know we just kind of miscalculated a little bit it's going to be next year on this date well you know people gullible enough they followed right along with him same thing happened came and went but, you know, a lot of the people just stuck with him and said, well, you know, he's got something here. It's going to happen. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Well, what did God tell us about this, the coming of Christ? <laughs> no man knows. Christ, when he was on this earth, he didn't even know. He says, my father knows, but I don't. You know, it's one of those things that his divinity allowed him not to know, even though he was God. His human side didn't know that, didn't know what was going on. They gave it, there's a fancy term for it, I don't know what it is. But he was honest. I don't know. Christ did not know when he was supposed to come back. He just knows that he's going to. I'm sure sitting at the right hand of God now, you know, God's going, okay, let's just, you know, let's watch those people down there, see what's going on. No, not yet. We'll wait. We don't know what's going to happen. Imminent. Brother Chris talked about that imminent I mean it could happen before we get into Sunday service it could be in the next our next breath it could be most anything you know anytime but you know the, th the thing is is these folks here they were despising what they were being taught and, and, and that's not right it, it's like they got saved they were under Paul's teaching some of their folks became the church leaders maybe jealousy was the thing we've talked about Maybe they were jealous of that. They just didn't want to listen to that, didn't want to apply it to life. But, but they were also regarding that, that some of them had miracle, uh, the ability to work miracles, and they figured, that's better than this guy. I don't know. But, you know, the, the whole thing is preaching the gospel is really God's appointment. When it's being preached, somebody standing up here, presenting God's word, presenting what has been laid on our heart, what we've got from our study, that it's God's appointment. And, and he 
wants the gospel to go out to be a saving knowledge for somebody. That's why pastor provides uh, an invitation, an opportunity. Maybe we're not right with the Lord at that time, that opportunity to get our heart right. That's what some of the teaching does. It lets us look at ourselves internally. And it has nothing to do uh, with them or us being any better than anybody else. It's just that we happen to be the one that has that opportunity to teach it. And teach it from a loving heart. Not that we're anybody special. We just happen to be the one that has that opportunity. And, you know, it's one of the few few opportunities that reaches out to people for salvation, for renewing our heart as, as when, we, when we sin. Maybe there are people harboring sin and that message is being preached to them and it pricks them in the heart and turns them around. Maybe they've been running from God. Maybe they've been harboring uh, uh, sins that have been hindering the work that they do. We don't know. But it also gives us that influence that works good. Very seldom have I ever sat under, under preaching that was not good. There are some people that I, I listen to that it's like, oh, I wish they'd get done. But you know, as I listen to the guy, there's some things in there that I really needed. But it's like, oh, when is he going to get done? Or, oh, pastor, it's not you, by the way. <laughs> no, there's some people that can be labor a point. <laughs> if you guys want to know how long his longest sermons are, I'll go show you later. <laughs> but the length of the sermons are not, a, they should never be a point. There are some people that, oh, 15 minutes, and that's all the more I can handle. And they're going to get up and leave, or their brain's completely turned off because they've ingrained in that. No, there's, there's nuggets all the way through that. There's something for everybody in that teaching. We should never despise what's being presented, no matter how much it might pick at us or kick at our feet. And the thing is, is he who despise is a condemner. You know, they're basically condemning themselves. But they should never be at a point where they were not, where they, you know, where they put themselves above what the preaching is. In other words, that doesn't apply to me. I don't need that. They're hard-hearted, and that's wrong. So when they, it, it, it's very important that, it, that we, when preaching is there, we don't despise that. Because there's, there's some people that are just really gifted in, in speaking, and they captivate you, and they, they present you the truth. And there's others that really can captivate you and just entertain you, and you go like, well, what did he talk about? You know, you never know. But prophesying, preaching the word, that's important. We should never despise it. Some of these folks here did. And today, we have people that are despising that as well. Um, as I was going through there, you know, you, you think of people that claim that the Old Testament is just a collection of myths. They're despising prophesies. They're despising the messages of the prophets. You know, people claim that the Bible's not accurately transmitted, translated there, or, you know, they're despising, again, the, the prophetic utterances. You know, I'm thankful for our King James Bible, how it's been preserved. And it's, it's like 
maybe we're speaking about it a lot here, maybe because people are attacking it. There, and, and stand by, there's more coming. Um, we got a, a flyer in the mail the other day, and my wife says, they don't have a King James Bible in here. It was a, well, a Christian outlet or something like that. And she said, I found one. <laughs> you won't find the teaching of it. But it's, it's important. Yeah, people can get saved through other translations. But they're going to be missing out on, on God's word. We pointed out how the, our, our Bible got translated and why it was important. God inspired those originals, as one, as, as one person puts it, inspirations that blank canvas that God started with. And some people goes, well, you know, the inspired word of God, it was back then. You know, all we got is some copies that have come down. And some of those copies that they were pointing out, missing a whole bunch of the, those translations. And as it's hard to believe that God who would inspire the, 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 the original manuscripts didn't have a way of preserving it and making sure that it came down to us. Well, he did. He had men that loved him, that spent his time. There's some that want to say that the King James Version is another inspired version. It is so inspired that it actually is far better than the originals. Well, in one essence, it kind of is when you think about it. I don't know Grink. Brother Chris knows it. <laughs> Hebrew, we don't know that. But it's in, in a language that we can understand. So it's better from that standpoint. Was it inspired? I think those men might have been moved to do it properly, to follow the preservation methods, to preserve that word down there. Because those men, when they talked, they didn't one guy write it and apply it. No, they, they discussed it. They wanted to make sure that what was done, and if there was a, a, a concern with it, they went back and looked at it again. They wanted to make sure when it was written that it was the best that these men could possibly do. I mean, you know, think of the original manuscripts when they were written. Were those people perfect? No, they weren't. Moses had a temper. David was a murderer and an adulterer. And you think of all the others down through that. They were, they were men. It's just God moved them. But thankfully, God has preserved his word down here that we can teach that. And we can use it. You know, so we have all of God's word preserved. They didn't have it in Thessalonica. They had the Old Testaments. They had letters to teach. But they didn't have the preserved word, well, they, they had as best preserved that they had at that time and how they could speak. So when you think of, of that and people that despise, you look at verse 21 where it says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. And here, this is talking about people that would take any word and believe any speaker regardless of what it is. And that's sad. That's why it's important that when the word's taught here, we look in the scriptures. Ask a question afterward and say, hey, you know, I didn't quite understand what you were saying. I didn't see it quite that way. Ask them. Maybe when you're discussing with somebody, you know, go through uh, and realize that maybe 
God gave you an interpretation of one way. It's not, like I said, it's not private, but the thing is, is you could ask somebody, hey, I understood it this way. And, and you presented it that way. Got me to thinking about that. Let's, let's talk about this. You know, because it says, you know, let the prophet speak, two or three, and let the other judge. Or 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We have people that are teaching and preaching, but if you take, it, take their preaching and compare it to God's word, it doesn't line up at all. There's a lot of them out there. And it's, it's very sad that there are people that just drink that up because the person, maybe he is an eloquent speaker. Maybe he just captivates them with their speaking, but he doesn't take them into scripture. He doesn't challenge them. You know, that's what I love about being a Christian and fellowshipping with, with a church that believes the Bible. It challenges me. And I think it challenges each one of us that we need to go look. We need to test some things. Maybe every time it's preached up here, you don't take 100% of what they're saying. Or when you look at it, take it to Scripture and look at it. And, and if there's an error, be willing to say, hey, you know, I'm, you kind of pulled this out of context, which we see a lot of people doing. The world does that on a regular basis. They love to quote Scripture completely out of context because they wanted to apply the way they, their life. You know, we look at so many things that are going on in this world today. And if we wanted to compare it, you know, we, we want to find out why things to, to prove why they believe what they believe. And you ask somebody, he goes, well, you just have to accept it the way I told you. No, I don't accept that. I don't think killing babies is, is biblically correct. I don't care what a person says that, that they believe. I have, I've heard Oh, I'm a preacher of the gospel and I believe in abortion. Well, not the gospel I know. And it's like Galatians 1, 8, 9 says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye received, let him be accursed. People that say that abortion, oh, that's perfectly acceptable in God's eyes. They have nothing to do with them. And it's sad. We have people that claim to be preachers that say that it's acceptable. And, and, and it's so sad. Prove all things. And 1 Corinthians 11.2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances which I delivered them unto you. The Apostle Paul was trying to set a precedence. And we, going through most all of his epistles, we're finding that he didn't change his tone. He taught the gospel, taught the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He pointed out that Jewish law was not going to get you saved or keep you saved. He says, it's okay for you to practice it if you want, for tradition's sake, but it's not doing anything for you. And, and so many things he pointed out. He says, but he did ask him to make sure that what he preached was right. And to go to Scripture and, and check it out. And, and to, to let people know that, you know, 
test what I've said, you know, and scrutinize it carefully. That's, that's the thing to look at is, is scrutinizing. Some people just accept it. Okay, he's that so-and-so person. Um, you know, we've got televangelists that people will, will believe whatever they say, no matter what they say. They don't care whether it goes counter to the Bible. I mean, people say, you know, my experience is that, you know, I, I don't care what the Bible says, I, I know this. I know this. You say, well, prove it to me. Where can you show me in Scripture that you are right? Because I can show you in Scripture where you're wrong. And it's important. You know, and we need to realize that people think it's really spiritual just to embrace and, and believe whatever religious leaders say. Yet, there's false teachers in amongst them. We know that. And they're going to be here till the Lord calls his church out. They're going to continue on until Christ comes back to return and reign on the earth. We're going to have false teachers going through there. In the tribulation time, Satan's going to have people believing everything that he says, and they're just going to eat it up no matter what. There are some people, you know, I, I, when I first retired from the Navy, we were up in Troutdale, and I I'd never heard of Rush Limbaugh, but <laughs> I got to see some guys in, in the church we were going to, you know, if Rush said it, I believe it, <laughs> you know, well, in a lot of ways, but did he tell you, you know, and he made jokes about it, you know, talent alone from God, there's some memes out there now where he's going back up with his book of talent, giving it back to God, <laughs> you know, saying, well, you loaned it to me, and now I'm back up here, some people they're just that charismatic that they'll believe whatever they say and follow along. No, we need, to, we need to ask the question. You don't need to believe everything like 1 John tells us. And there are those that definitely transgress the word, but yet people will suck it up and believe it. They'll pull things out of context. We're to, we're to test all things. It doesn't mean try all things we're to test it some people want the experiences you know i want to make sure that you know that is bad for me i'm going to go try it i don't think so you know i mean i know that if you jump a motorcycle over a lot of things you're going to fall and hurt yourself i do not want to be evil can evil uh, i'm i'm not going to go out and try some things because it's just silly Although some people thought I was silly for being in the submarine force and going on a, on a ship that intentionally sunk. We just made sure that all the openings were closed <laughs> to keep the water out of where I was at. Although there was a few times that they attempted to do that to us. And one of them got me to thinking about where I would spend an eternity. But I do know that I don't try everything. I have a cousin that enjoys skydiving. He still enjoys skydiving, even though his parachute didn't open two times. Twice he hit the ground from 10,000 feet without a parachute. He still loves jumping out of an airplane. I'm not going to try that. <laughs> I don't care. You know, Some people want to try things. But I'm going to test things. Something in scripture, I want to look and see, does it really mean? And, and we need to think carefully that 
oftentimes things that are taught to us, we need to look them up because we might not fully understand and apply it. We might not be at the point to some people need milk all the time. They need that baby food. Others can be given things and they can really absorb it and, and chew on it. And as one guy says, cogitate it real well, chewing the cud and, and just understanding that, looking going, yeah, I, I fully, I can take you right to it. There's nothing wrong with us to, to say, and, and it's not cruel to ask somebody, well, can you give me a, 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 a reference for that? Can you, can you take me to a point in the Bible? Maybe they can't give you scripture, but maybe they can take you to that place in the Bible. I know I have a hard time with, with remembering scriptures. Thankfully, the Lord knows how to bring that to, to remembrance when, a lot of times when we need it. But usually we can take, take somebody to that point in the Bible. That's the nice thing about it, of, of studying, being able to realize, oh, it's, it's about here, and be able to show somebody. Because it's important for us that if we're going to be leading somebody to the Lord, we're going to be sharing the gospel with somebody, we're going to be teaching, we need to be able to go to those places. You know, we need to we need to consider: Are we doing God's will, or are we hindering the spread of the gospel? That's what really this boils down to: by holding on, hold fast to that which is good. Well, this is good, and we need to hold fast to it. That's our standard. I use standards a lot in in my work and what I've done in the past. A standard doesn't always tell you exactly how to do it, but it says when you do it, it should do this. It's kind of like when Brian does his testing, he, he knows he's got some sort of standard to go to or, or develops it, or Brother Austin the same way, or we can go to a tech manual. A lot of times you go to, a, this is our standard for what we live, live by and how we take care of all of the things dealing with faith. We can go, go to that. That's our life. And a lot of people don't realize that they're hindering when they're teaching to us. So we need, we need to realize uh, or, or accept the fact that we could be hindering somebody if we're not careful. We, we need to test things. We need to be willing to let somebody test us. Because these people up here were despising prophesying. They weren't, they weren't testing them. They were, they were angry with them. They didn't like what they were being told. But yet they didn't go down to the next one. It says, prove all things. Check it out. Maybe what he is saying is correct, and I need to apply it to my life. Don't despise him for that, but go to Scripture and say, ah, it's a good thing for me to do that. And that's something that each one of us, I think, struggle with as human beings. Because we don't always like being told what to do. Or that we're wrong. I have a hard time with that. Just ask my wife. <laughs> but I think as human beings, we do have that problem. <laughs> Ooh. But we need, to, we need to be thankful that God does give us the, the standard to go back to and to be able to prove things. Proof text is what we really have. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for your blessings. We thank you that, Father, that you work with us as individuals. I'm thankful, Father, for those that, that do preach the gospel, that do challenge us. 
and challenges to look into the word and realize, hey, maybe I'm wrong in this area. I do need to change my thought. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and how it applies to our lives and how, as a Christian, we can dearly hold on to this love letter from you that gives us guidance for our life, that we can apply it, share it, and use it as the standard for us to live by until you call us all home. And then we can rejoice knowing that we, we, we will be with the living word. And Father, we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.